be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. It's Peter Tong, your host, and welcome you all and, and wish you all a happy uh, summer solstice. I was really pleased and happy to see the barriers down at Stonehenge for the sunrise yesterday at summer solstice so people could actually go inside and be part of that sacred circle and touch the stones and connect with the, the energies there. And I just want to welcome to the show today Dr. June Maffin, who is my guest, who has recently written a book called Soulistry, the Artistry of the Soul. And I'm really interested in talking to June today specifically about how this journey all unfolded for her. So June, welcome to the show. Thanks, Peter. It's good to be here. Someday I'd like to go and experience Stonehenge in person. Well, it's worth doing for sure, and I think the energies are beginning to amp up again there at, the, at this time, which is great news. It does sound like it, like it is. So, Jen, I'd love, to, I'd love for you to begin by telling us a little bit about your, your story, because you went through a very challenging time, which ultimately led to uh, your further awakening and also the production of this book. So just tell us what happened. Uh, it did. It, it started in February of 2004, Peter, and I was healthy and active and dancing and loving my job, and life was rich and full, and I went to visit a dentist who prepared a tooth for a crown and came out of there and discovered the next morning that I was really sick, and within 24 hours, a diagnosis of mercury poisoning happened, and I never went back to school after that, never went back to work after that because my muscles began to atrophy. My arms, my legs, I lost my voice. Um, it was a very difficult time. And I found myself having to deal with a lot of pain and learning to listen to that still voice inside about what was happening in my life and, and why and what was going to come out of it. <laughs> the the miracle of all of it for me is it's difficult to say to somebody but I'm really glad that I had mercury poisoning because it transformed my life in ways that I never would have expected before um, I discovered through a series of, of well I call them God incidences or coincidences that spirit intervened and I was aware that my right brain I knew my left brain wasn't working well at all because I had an, a full year that I could recognize letters, but I couldn't read. I couldn't put words together for a full year. And what I discovered was that if I did some creative things with my right brain, my left brain started working again. And so I intentionally focused on activating my left brain with very, very simple art techniques so before, you, before you move on, I'd actually like you to explain what it's like to our listeners because not everybody has experienced this, and I certainly have not. But what it's like to live um, long days of exhaustion filled with pain, and, and what happens to you in the life that you're leading at that point before we move on to the solution? Just okay. what, what was that like? I, I think the word is grace. Um, there were days where other people would tell me, oh, this is hopeless. There were days when people would say, this must be so difficult. On one level, Peter, it was difficult, truth to be told. On another level, I was aware 
that there was something happening inside me at a very deep level that was changing me. And while I had to deal with the frustration, I, for example, I couldn't walk to my front door. Uh, I couldn't take 10 steps without being absolutely exhausted. I would have to go into the local city for my for the uh, physicians, for the specialist's appointments. That should ordinarily have taken me about 45 minutes. It took me three hours because I had to stop and sleep. And in those times of sleep, I believe that something new was being created. There was always a hope for me. I never allowed myself, I never gave myself permission to lose hope because I think that I've just been really blessed by the Creator to be a hopeful person in spite of everything that people were saying was going to be the future and in spite of having to live with the oh, the exhaustion, the inability to sleep and the, and the physical pain and yeah, other diseases came along, other illnesses came as a result of my immune system being so compromised. Um, polymyalgia rheumatica, just a whole bunch of things. And each time I could, there were days that I was uh, down, but I could, I honestly can say I was never depressed. And that to me is just pure grace. Now, this all came about as a result of having dental work done. It is. So what advice do you give to people around that now? Hmm, I would say select your dentist very carefully. Make sure that they are people who use rubber dams when they're doing their work and that they preferably are in favor of using non-mercury-based um, fillings. Right. So, so thank you for that. And that, so now, but you, so you had this feeling in, all through this really challenging time. But you had this feeling stirring inside that something positive, or there was something happening that was of significance as well. I did. I did. It's not something I could cognitively explain, intellectually understand. It was just very, very deep within my soul. And so what started to happen that, that started bringing you out of this really challenging situation? Well, it was a wooden mirror to be, it was a wooden mirror. One night I couldn't sleep and I was in a lot of pain. So I, I got up and I made it into my office and I noticed that there was a stack of uh, mirrors at the top of my closet and I pulled one down and I had a whole bunch of oh, buttons and beads and feathers on my, on my desk. And I just started to glue them on very simply. And I found myself distracted from the pain by looking at what was happening with this wooden framed mirror. And finally, I was able to get to bed and I slept and I woke up the next morning and I saw this mirror. And of course, my memory was really bad. There were times, Pete, when I thought Alzheimer's was starting. That's how bad the situation was. And I looked at this mirror and I wondered where did I buy that? Because I couldn't remember making it. And then finally, hours later, I remembered I'd made it, and I thought, it's beautiful. A couple of days later, a friend came by and saw what I had made and said, would you make me some, I'd like to buy them for Christmas gifts. And that affirmation gave me a stirring that reminded me that there's a possibility that if I activated my right brain, perhaps that might jump over into the left brain. I... I have no scientific evidence that this is what happened. All I know is, is that the thought was given to me, activate your right brain, your left brain will become activated. I prayed, I talked to God, I talked to the Creator, and that was the message I got, activate your right brain and your left brain will be created. And it was. And so you just continued to, uh, to play and create <laughs> working <laughs> with your right brain. I did. I did. And of course, at the same time, I was doing physio many times a week. I was seeing specialists. I was doing what, what the specialists told me to do. But I, nobody suggested that I just play. And when I realized what I was doing, I came up with the phrase spirituality of play, because I think that's what was happening as I was playing, as I was creating, I was connecting with spirit. I was connecting with God. I was connecting with the creator. And Life began to be reborn again within me. It was fascinating. I, I could even almost stand on the outside and, and watch what was happening. Bizarre, I know, but 
it was quite miraculous. So, so how did the uh, how did the book come out of this? Ah, well, after I played with the mirrors, I started doing art cards, and people started saying, how do you make those cards? And I had a couple of people come over as I was getting better and better with each week. And I started running little small workshops, mini, mini workshops, and people started saying, could you come and do a workshop with these people? And I said, yeah, I could do that. The workshops grew and grew, and one of the things that I was doing at the same time to activate my brain, because there was that there was a full year where I couldn't read, I couldn't put letters together. Um, for many years, I've been collecting quotations. I've just found the words of, of the wise words of other people often would catapult me into asking questions of myself and would pull me deeper into knowing myself and, and knowing the world and, and knowing how everything works. So I thought, maybe if I pull a couple of those quotations out, I can just begin to work with those a short. So I started working with the short quotations. Slowly but surely, my ability to read began to come back. And I was really focusing now on finding new quotations. And I had an index box, and I started collecting them and writing the, quote, the questions that were coming to me down. In Before I got sick, one of the roles I had was as a soul friend or a spiritual director. I would accompany people on their spiritual journeys. And in that relationship, I would often ask them questions to go away and think about. So the soul questions that I called them as a reflection of the quotations came quite naturally. And as I began to get back into spiritual direction and soul friending, those questions started to go to the clients. And then one day, sitting in a meditation, I was just coming out of the meditation and I was just so deeply aware that these soul questions and the quotes were very powerful for the people that I'd been working with. They certainly were powerful for me and they might become a really helpful tool for other people. So I started putting them down, writing the questions down. In <laughs> in April last year, 2010, I sort of looked at them all and thought, I'm, I think I'm ready to make a book out of this. What I was going to do with it, I didn't know. But I thought, oh, maybe over the winter of 2010, I'll really focus on that as, as my project. And then in the spring of 2011, I may just start looking for a publisher and seeing what I can come up with. Well, I'm on Facebook, and I had put a notice on my profile saying that I was working on this project. And there was... There was a publisher who had just dis created a new imprint of his publishing firm, and he wrote me a note and said, would I consider having a conversation with him about his publishing the book? I have to tell you. <laughs> there you go, and it's all happened. Yeah, but I think, I we're, I think we're coming up to our first break, June, so we're going to continue talking about the book, The Solist the Solistry Torium. We'll actually talk about what that, that title means okay. when we return. Sure. This is Peter Tongue for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tongue and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network.
listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. I just want to remind you to go to my website, www.petertung.com, for all of the wonderful things that are happening there, and also to the sponsors of our show, www.myheartcenteredjourney.com, where I'd like to uh, get you to check out the Ambassadors of Light program, where we have uh, every two weeks a class on the energies that are uh, with us at this particular time, and I do actually have a class uh, tomorrow, Thursday, at 6.30. And I will be talking about the energies of the summer solstice uh, of yesterday and what that was all about. And there are some really important uh, uh, pieces of information to know about what was taking place yesterday and, and will continue on throughout this year. And also talking about our energies of the zodiac work of Gemini and some of the results of that work, which, of course, yesterday we shifted into Cancer. So if you're interested in being part of that program, please go to www.myheartcenteredjourney.com. So we have with us today June Maffin, who has recently produced a book called Soulistry, Artistry of the Soul. And June, you were explaining in the first segment how the book came about. So how did you come up with this title? It's, uh, it's a word that comes from two words, artistry and soul. So I just put them together. Soul artistry. Soulistry. Yeah, it's as simple as that. So in terms of the book itself, um, just give our listeners a, a bit of a, an overview of the, of the book and, and how it, because it has a very specific way of operating and explain how that works. It's primarily a series of about 80 quotations from oh, wise people all over the world different generations, different traditions, different ages, uh, men, women, children. And underneath each quotation, there are a series of questions that I call soul questions because their intent is to help us dig a little more deeply into who we are uh, and our soul connection with the universe. And at the back of the book, there are some mini biographies about each of these people. Some of them are well-known, others are not well-known at all. But you, you researched and, and found biographies for all of them? I, I did, and that was one of the fun parts, really fun parts of the book for me, was to find out who these people were. I, the book took me three years to write, Pete, but be primarily because I wanted to make sure that I had copyright permission from all of those who were living and the estates where there were still copyright issues. And trying to locate these people was another journey that led me to some fascinating people. Fascinating people. And some interesting discussions, no doubt. Absolutely. So how do you recommend people get the most out of the book in terms of the way of of going about working with it? When I started putting it together, I asked myself if I was going to give themes and put special quotes under each theme and people could look at themes like that. And I I thought, no, I think I want it to be more creative, more spontaneous. So people could start at the beginning with the first quote and work their way through. Writing in a journal, the answers to or the responses to their questions. Or they could just spontaneously pick a page, open it up and see what what happens, which which quote they're led to. One of the other things I put into the book are directions to make their own journal. Uh, some people don't know how to write in a journal. There's some instruction there about how to journal keep. And um, some people are have been keeping a journal for a very long time, so they just skip that part. <laughs> now, obviously, uh, one of the things about journaling, which we need to talk about, I think, is you were... Uh looking to stimulate the right brain so that the left brain would kick back in. Mm -hmm. When people are journaling, how do they keep themselves out of the right brain and in the left brain to free flow with their writing? How do they do that? Yeah. Well, they just sit, be still, and be ready to receive. One of the things when when I run journaling workshops, I say to people, 
don't prejudge what you're going to write. And after you've written it, don't sit back and get your pencil out with its eraser. This is what's coming to you from a very deep level. When you sit and you're open to receiving, you might be very surprised as to what comes out. But when we say, oh, I know the answer to that question, and you dig right into it without just being still for a few moments and giving spirit a chance to work inside you, giving God that opportunity to speak to you in that still, small voice, when we move our intellect out of the way and we work completely on the spiritual level, it works. I really appreciate that answer because it's, it's, it's a great way of looking at things because so often we do judge and analyze what we've just done and we just have to let that go, don't we, and let it flow. Well, when I, when I do writing workshops, I say to people, don't bring an eraser, please. Yeah, yeah. And they go, well, I want to bring an eraser. No, you don't need an eraser. And preferably bring an ink pen. One of the other areas of, of, uh, of interest for you and passion for you, I would say, is looking at time, and you, and you make a comparison between Kronos and Kairos. Mm. you describe that to us as well in this context? Well, the Greeks, the Greeks are fascinating people. They had two words for our one word. We use one word, time. I look at my watch and I see what time it is. I talk about time flying by fast. Uh, the Greeks had a chronology. Uh, they had chronos, C-H-R-O-N-O-S, which links up with our understanding of chronology, the things that we look at with clocks and watches, schedules. We're all very organized people, and we know what we're doing six months from today. Kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S, is a different understanding of time. It's, 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 mm, it's holy time. It's spirit time. It's God time. It's when we are one with ourselves and one with the universe and one with our creator. Um, oftentimes we freak, oftentimes, isn't that funny? Even, even in our language, that word comes in there. But kairos is when, you know those times when we're sitting by the bedside of a sick parent or a child quietly reading to them, or when we look at the formation of clouds in the sky, or we read a a phrase, and we've read it before, but this time the words leap from the page with a meaning we'd never encountered before. Um, the moments that, for me, um, because I went through so many physical problems with the mercury poisoning, just sitting still and being aware of the gift of my breath. Ruach, a Hebrew word meaning breath, also means spirit. When I inhale, I inhale goodness and grace and holiness and gentleness and love. And when I exhale, I expel the things that are disturbing my spirit and that could be toxic to me. So kairos are those moments when we are, and we don't even have to be still, Pete. You know, that's, that's the thing that is fascinating to me is people think well I need to be meditating and sitting in silence but how about just slowly eating a meal truly tasting it appreciating its sight and its and its taste um I don't know just sometimes I I will watch a movie on and I'll I'll be aware of tears flowing down my face and that's a gift that's a kairos moment because there are people who cannot cry. They don't have that gift of tears. And if they do, they need someone else to wipe the tears away because that mobility has been given, taken away from them. Um, Kairos is in the kitchen making, making cookies. Well, it is for me. Um, Kairos is also laughing, you know, from the belly kind of a laugh. <laughs> Those the Kairos is, is so broad. Kairos moments are so broad. And when I journal, I look for those Kairos moments. Photography lately has been coming into a new way for me to get in touch with Kairos moments. And I've just started doing photo meditations, taking a picture and allowing that picture to that photo to speak to me at a very, very deep level. And sometimes I write 
just based on what I've seen. It's such an exciting journey, Peter. You know that. I do indeed. I'm also interested to know, in terms of the, the left and right brain, now obviously you're on this incredibly powerful, creative, playful path, and so the right brain is uh, fully engaged. How, how is your left brain doing? <laughs> I pay my bills. I can, I, it's doing great. I would say that except for the aging process that hits all of us, it's, it's excelling. Uh, one, of the, one of the other things that I picked up is, is, since I was sick and now that I'm well, is I've become a book reviewer for two companies. And I, I, I'm sure you can appreciate, for someone who is a bibliophile, someone who loved to read, not to be able to read for a full year was crippling. And now to be invited to be a book reviewer, which means every morning, every morning I open my email and I, I get a list of books of, that, that come to me from publicists and authors and publishers. And they say, would you review this book? Would you review this book? And I make a selection every couple of days or every couple of weeks of books that I would like to read. I sit and I wait. They get delivered to me. And I read them, and I rejoice. So my left brain is working just fine. Grace again. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. And one of the, one of the uh, aspects of this show, Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation, is uh, geared, to, geared towards those people who are beginning their awakening path. And, and in some ways, I'm getting the sense from what you're saying is that the quotations and the, and the questions... Uh, prompting people to make that spiritual connection through their reflections. Could you just talk about that a little bit? I think you're right. You, you, certainly the feedback I've had from people who have read the book, bought it from Amazon all over the world, they're writing and saying that this, be, this is a new tool for them. This is a new way for them to connect with that, to make that spirit connection. That in the past, they've not been able to do that because... Oh, for a variety of reasons. But in this way, this is engaging them on a one-to-one basis. And I've been getting recent emails telling me that groups are forming where they are getting together and sharing their responses. Parts of the responses that they're comfortable sharing, of course, because one of the things about journal writing is that this is private. This is this is one-on-one. Um, but there are times when it's it's wonderful to be able to share with other people the recognition of that spirit connection. That's so wonderful, isn't it, that you're actually creating space for people to actually communicate with each other because obviously it is a, it is a private affair when you're doing your own journaling, but for people to come together in group and discuss it is just a wonderful gift. And I, th- I think it's, it's building community at a soul level. So often we talk about the importance of having community, but we don't make that soul connection at the community level. And these groups that are popping up, I'm doing nothing to do it. They're just writing and telling me this is what's happening in their in their in their area. Um, to be part of that is such a blessing to me. To know that out of out of chaos, because that's exactly what what I went through. Out of chaos, um, beauty is happening. Blessing is happening. Isn't it uh, interesting how chaos is often required <laughs> to bring us to this next level of being? It is. It is. Um, one of the things I think that we all would love to do is live on the mountaintop and be happy and content all of our lives. But uh, nah. if, if all we ever did was live on those and didn't have chaos in our lives, we'd never be able to appreciate the mountaintops. We need those desert times. We need those moments when we're not so certain what's going on in our lives to really sit back and say, wow, wow, that, that's really something. So, June, we're actually coming up to our second break, so I'm, I'm going to take a break now, and we'll come back and we'll talk about some of the specific quotations and, and the effects that they have had on people reading okay. the book. This okay. is Peter Tongue for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. to the threshold of a dream and beyond. 7th Wave Network. 
Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenterJourney.com for more information. Listening on a Higher Dimension, 7th Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. I have with me today Dr. June Maffin, who has produced the book called Soul History. Artistry of the Soul, and we've been talking about the significant way that this book has impacted those people who have read it and uh, exactly how it works and the content and how it will help you on your unfolding spiritual path. So, June, just tell us actually a little bit about the, the reactions you've had to the book from people. How do I say they blew me away? Uh, <laughs> you can say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just... Oh. When, when I think when you realize that you have been part of the spiritual growth of another human being, there is such a privilege in that, as you know. I, I ha- I, I've had that when I've walked alongside people as a spiritual director, but there's been that immediacy of response and immediacy of knowing that that person you're working with is changing and is growing and is blooming. With the book, because it's now available globally, and it's available as an ebook as well as a, a paperback book, um, to get emails from people I don't know from countries I have not heard of, it it yeah it blows me away. <laughs> it's such a privilege, just such a privilege, very humbling. Indeed, yes. So for those people who would like to connect with the book and with you, what, what are the websites where they can access the book and your material? I would say the book is probably the best place for them to do that would be through Amazon.com, Book Depository, um, Barnes & Noble, um, trying to think of the others, any of, any of the on, online book companies. My website is www.soulistry. S-O-U-L-I-S-T-R-Y dot com. It's very simple. Perfect. Great. And so I'd love to, uh, to, to actually go into the book and look at a couple of the, uh, the quotations. I'm just wondering if there, if there are any that stand out as being particularly helpful to people uh, or, or ones that people have said have been really uh, supportive of them in their journey. Are there any particular that stand out for you that have come to mind? I think, I th- yeah, there's a couple. One of them is the Cherokee legend one. Um, you know that legend, the Cherokee elder sitting with his grandchildren and tells them a story? Could you actually uh, tell, us the st- can you tell us that story? Do you have it in front of you? Yeah, I do. Okay, here's the story. In everyone's life, there is a terrible daily fight, a fight between two wolves. One wolf is evil. This one is negativity, fear, anger, envy. Greed, arrogance, self-pity, resentment, frustration, boredom, and deceit. The other wolf is good. This one is joy, serenity, self-control, humility, goodness, confidence, generosity, truth, kindness, gentleness, love, patience, and compassion. And the child asked, Grandfather, which wolf wins the fight? And the elder looked the child in the eye and said, The one you feed. And that leads to some soul history, soul questions, which would include what? Oh, dear. Um, I'm going to have to go into this. 80 questions in there. No, that's okay. That's okay. I can't so remember. 
the questions that I that I pulled up into that. I mean, I could certainly come come up with some. Um, no, I can't remember what those were. But obviously, it's to do with it's to do with uh, the way in which or what how you feed uh, those thoughts uh, in your life and situations in your life, which. Which way you focus your your energy? Which wolf are you actually feeding in your life? Well, not just which, but how. And one one of the questions I just flipped open the page now. One of the questions was: If you are feeding the evil wolf, are you content nourishing this aspect within your soul? Because I found that there are some people who say, "Yeah, I'm still angry. Yeah, I, I still feel resentment." So that means that they're still content nourishing that aspect within their soul. And when they're willing and able to move to the next step and begin to feed the wolf that nurtures their spirit, encourages them to be hope-filled and joyful and peace-filled, that motivates them to be more proactive with their spiritual growth. In your experience, what, 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 why is it people have such difficulty forgiving others uh, as a result of circumstances and situations they've been involved in? I guess bottom line, they don't like themselves very well often. They feel unworthy. And those feelings of unworthiness, not just within within their own inner family circle, their friends, but they feel unworthy before God, before their creator. People will self-destruct until they're able to get to that point in time where they recognize themselves not only as beautiful if if i were to look at early hebrew christian scripture god looked at the world that was created and we know that there's mythology and all of that but still the bottom line is it was good and we are good we were created to be good people but we so often lose sight of our goodness our holiness and we are all very holy people when we express what is called the fruit of the Spirit. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, thoughtfulness, gentleness, self-control. I'd love you to, uh, to talk about gratitude, which was uh, Meister Eckhart's uh, quote in the book. One of my favorite pieces. It, Meister I know Eckhart, that. Because <laughs> you know me, I guess. One of the, he was a 13th century mystic, and he said that the, if the only prayer you say is thank you, that would suffice. Oftentimes in my work, I find people who say, I don't pray, I don't believe in God. Is that okay? And I, of course it's okay. It's wonderful if you do believe in God. But if you don't, and if you don't believe in prayer, Let's take the word prayer out of the formula and let's put the word thank you in. Because when we say thank you, if I say thank you for the gift of my sight, I've just had cataract surgery. Boy, have I been saying thank you for the gift of my sight lately. Because before that, I was not able to see very well at all. And when I got the first cataract done, it was like I was seeing the world with new eyes. So often when we are grateful, I, one of the things I talk about in the book is inviting and encouraging people to keep a gratitude journal. If they're not journal keepers, just start off with, before you go to bed at night, get a piece of paper, get a book, get a journal, date it, and say, today I am grateful for. And it can be, and it needs to be something different every day. Sometimes people who are feeling so uncomfortable with themselves, so angry with the world, so resentful of others, they have difficulty finding something that they can be grateful for. But when they start with that simple exercise, it's amazing how that fosters one little thank you, fosters another little thank you, which fosters an attitude of thankfulness. And when we're in that attitude... The gratitude attitude, we are now on the journey to a more holistic life, a more holy life, a more spirit-centered life. Thank you, I really appreciate that. And one of my, uh, my, one of my favorite ones is because I'm now spending so much time out in nature and really connecting and communicating with 
the uh, natural world and the birds and the animals and the forest. And uh, so you have one from Eleonora Deuce, uh, Soul Alive. Mm-hmm. Which, which actually I could read out if you wish me. If, yeah, like. if you've got it in front of you. That would be... In front of me, yeah. If the sight of blue skies fills you with joy, the blade mm-hmm. of grass springing up in the fields has power to move you. If the simple things of nature have a message that you understand, rejoice, for your soul is alive. It's a powerful piece, isn't it? Yeah, and you talk about joy in the questions. What does the word joy convey to you? And, and there seems to be a little bit of a lack of joy in a lot of people's lives in, in the world today. So let's talk about that a little bit. One of the things I'm struck by is the happiness quotient that seems to be going out in society today where people are saying, are you happy? I'm happy. I'm going to be happy. And they look to material possessions. They look to uh, other people meeting their needs. They say, well, if I have X number of dollars or this thing or this relationship were good, I would be happy. And for me, it's not a matter of happiness. It's a matter of of joy, the things that help you come alive, that help you connect with um, simplicity. We, we live a very complicated life, I find, and we busy it up with things, with appointments. For me, I'm becoming more and more uh, joyful. Every day I'm becoming more joyful happiness not always no there are things that frustrate me in the daytime but when I go to bed at night and I just before I close my eyes I can be expressive of both gratitude but also the joy that's been there here's a perfect example this interview this is bringing joy in my life because it's highlighting for me the reality that this little book that's had its humble beginnings that wasn't even going to be discussed about getting published until this spring and somebody contacted me out of the blue that it's reaching people how how could i not feel joy at being part of that process perfect thank you and there was one i just wanted you to uh, to do as well because it's i think it's so important on this uh, evolving path that we're on and that's uh, silent listen six letters Two words, one meaning. Gemma Black is a calligrapher who lives in uh, Tanzania, in New Zealand. And she's an absolutely brilliant, very, very gifted artist. That was her signature, and still it still is her signature on her email. And we were emailing back and forth, and one day I noticed that, and it just jumped out at me. So I wrote her, and I said, Gemma... I'm writing this book. I'd love to use this. And she was surprised that anybody would want to use it. (laughs) But I thought, oh, it really does um, remind people of the importance of being silent and listening. We hear, Peter, don't we? We hear a lot of things in this world. How often do we really listen I've said before about that still small voice within. Whatever name we call that, conscience, God, creator, holy other, there is a spirit connection that does speak to us. And when we listen, when we are truly silent, I know that when I do meditation with people and teach them, they they sit there and they the, the feedback will be, I can't be silent. I, I, I'm thinking of my grocery list. I've got to take the kids here. I've got to do that. Um, but when they are truly, truly silent and they listen, they're able to let go of all of the clutter and that precious, precious ability to really hear the spirit speak comes through. And that for me is what Gemma is getting at. Um, the word silent is six letters. The word listen is six letters. So in this journal, this particular journal prompt and the soul questions that go after it are to encourage people to think about what's the difference for them between listening and hearing. 
do people perceive you to be a good listener? When I do a lot of hospital visits, people who are dying, in fact, I had a privilege the other night of being with someone who was dying, and I just went and I sat, just sat, and listened to the spirit between the two of us. She had Alzheimer's and wasn't cognitive, uh, conscious, but she was conscious at a different level. We can listen at many levels, can't we? We can indeed. So thank you for that, Jim. We're actually coming up to our final break, and we'll return with Jim Maffin in just a few moments. Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host Peter Tong. We have a very short final segment, so I'm just going to mention again. Dr. June Maffin's book, Soul History, Artistry of the Soul, and the best way to contact her is through the website www.soulhistory, S-O-U-L-I-S-T-R-Y.com, and you can connect with this really interesting way of connecting to your spiritual self as you move on your awakening path. And June, you have an epilogue in the book, which after you've done all 80 quotations and done your inner work and your journaling, and the final question comes up, who are you? Talk about that a little bit. Each of the questions that I've done in the book, the soul questions, Peter, I've answered. And when I was coming towards the end of the book, I found a quotation by a 13-year-old, Maddie Stepanek, who is an old soul. And the quote that's in the book was, is, I want to be remembered as a poet, a peacemaker, and a philosopher who played. And I loved that. As I wrote the soul questions and I responded to them, I found myself saying, so who are you, June? Who are you today? How would you define yourself? I'm struck by the fact that your closing question has to do with that because it's on page 132 at the end of the book, and I didn't think anybody noticed it. Knowing you, I'm not surprised. You did. Um, I wondered whether, in fact, I would write my response to that, who am I, and include it in the book. And I thought I would, because for me, it's a statement of affirmation. Um, I divided, I didn't mean to divide it, by the way, into four sections, but I did. The first one is familial roles. The next is occupational roles. The third was vocational roles and the fourth was playful roles and that's my latest one that I've been coming up with um, I could read it sure. if we've got time yeah. okay. who am I? familial roles identify mother, wife daughter, sister, aunt, cousin occupational roles define educator, consultant broadcaster, journalist vocational roles name creative spirituality artist spiritual director, priest friend, writer, child of God. Playful roles define puppeteer, clown, flautist, blogger. Who am I? Am I one person today and tomorrow another? 
Am I all, all at once, interwoven? Who am I? I'm me, evolving, unfolding, creating, discovering, and rediscovering the essence of spirit in them, spirit within. That's who I am, Peter, evolving. That's <laughs> who you are. I so haven't what I'd love you to do is the final final word um, in terms of this incredibly challenging journey and how it's unfolded for you. And you're still unfolding and evolving and connecting. So what would be your final words for those people who are going through struggle and strife in their lives at this time? Relax. That would be it. So often when you're going through a struggle, we're so intense. We're so conscious of where we are and where we want to get to. When we relax, we let spirit in. When we relax, we can hear God's voice. When we relax, we are able to recreate. When we relax, we can have times of recreation. I love the word recreation. It really means recreate. And in each moment of play, I'm very heavy into a spirituality of play these days. Those are the workshops that I'm running so often, is helping people get into a spirituality of play. And notice that when they are recreating, in moments of recreation, they're close to God, they're close to spirit, that they are unfolding. June, we have to, we have to come to a, a close, I'm afraid, and it's a great, great way to finish, and I really appreciate your time today. It's been a really wonderful time spent with you. Good That's luck with the book and your own evolving path, and thank you so much for joining me. A privilege. Thanks, Peter. My guest next week is Lynn Serafin, and we'll be discussing all sorts of aspects of Lynn's work, and it'll be a very interesting show, I know. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tung for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.